This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin and I will be your host. This is the start of season three. So season three is going to run across the summer term. If terms aren't a thing in your life or in your country, uh, that just means between Easter and the summer. And we're going to be covering all sorts of topics. So in season two, we had greatest hits and we did kind of thematic um, episodes where we looked at things specifically for teenagers or additional needs or gadgets and gaming. So do go back and look at some of those. Um, But this season is going to be all about conversations, going a little bit deeper. We have got lots of interesting and exciting and wise people, and we've just taken a little bit longer to grill them than in our normal section. So kind of between about a 10, 15 minute conversation. And then we are going to have a question and answer session um, just as normal because we find that so helpful. We learn so much from the questions that you guys send in. Um, and we like having a punt at answering them. So please, please, please keep sending your questions. You can send them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, via our website, email us, whatever works for you. And we would really appreciate those. Um, I hope you have had a really good Easter. I hope you've had a really good week. You know, sometimes you have those weeks that are just a bit meh, like just very samey. Everything just kind of goes as normal. Well, I have not had one of those weeks. (laughs) It has all been kicking off this week. So uh, we ended up, my baby, who's just turned one, ended up in hospital. We did the full um, calling the ambulance and excitement, uh, which I've never done before. So that was a a new parenting experience for me. And then in the middle of her being in hospital, we also had some Ukrainian guests arriving Uh, We are in a super fortunate position to have um, space to be able to host some people and they arrived in the middle of the night. They don't have very much English. I have no Ukrainian. So this week has been an awful lot of charades and Google Translate and um, pointing at things. Um, And I have just learned so much. Um, I've learned about our family. I've learned about the way that I communicate things. Um, And just seen a lot from other people's lives. We talk a lot in Parenting for Faith about creating windows, about showing a little bit of your relationship with God and your life to your children. Um, And I feel like I've just had an opportunity to see a little bit of other people's lives this week, particularly in hospital. For those of you who've done the uh, parent on the ward with a child thing, I mean, creating windows is nothing. There are absolutely no secrets uh, you get to know the other people very, very well, not just their names and, uh, you know, you know, their full medical history and everything that's going on. And it's a very bonding experience to be, uh, yeah, just just very close to people. Um, and I'd be really interested what any of you have learned. I'm sure many of you have had those kind of experiences of um, either being with your child in hospital or um, having people stay in your home, whether that's fostering or hosting refugees from any country or vulnerable people. Um, We'd love to hear and learn from your experience about that, how you frame that for your children, how it's linked to your relationship with God, what you've chatted about. So uh, do send those in. We'd love to hear your stories and hear from you. Uh, Before we crack on, just one other thing I wanted to tell you about. Very exciting. Coming up on the 10th of May, we've got the Babies and Toddlers Training Morning. So if you have a baby or a toddler 
or you run a toddler group or a creche or you're a church leader, children's leader, family leader, we have got an entire morning of seminars. Um, there's going to be topics like helping under fives meet and know God, supporting families coming for christenings or dedications, refreshing parents and carers through toddler groups, equipping toddler group or creche team with tools, getting started using the babies and toddler resources, helping families with babies and toddlers feel connected and cared for in Sunday services. You get the idea. Anything to do with babies and toddlers and faith. And we want to have a great conversation and uh, resource you. But those tickets won't be on sale forever. I think there's another week or two. So um, do get that in and sign up. You can book on our website. We'll pop a link in the show notes or by going to BRF online. Right. Now, I said we have spoken to some really wise and interesting people. And we've got an amazing lady to kick off with. Um, Joy Wendling founded and writes on Created to Play. Uh, She's got a podcast. She's got a blog. She's on all the social media things. We'll link to all of those. Um, But Rachel Turner, our founder and grandmother of Parenting for Faith, we're now saying, um, just had a really good conversation with her about how to play the Bible, what it looks like to play at home. They'll unpack and explain that a bit more. I know it sounds like my grammar is just wrong. You're thinking, yeah, that sleep deprivation is really getting to you. But you'll see what they mean. They explain it all in a moment. And then for our question and answer section today, uh, we are going to hear from Rachel again answering a very specific question about the Noah story and someone asking how to explain God's role and uh, a bit about his intention and what was going on there that I found super interesting. So I hope you enjoy that too. And then as usual, we will wrap up with a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. So let's hand over to Rachel and Joy now. Uh, Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner and I'm here with my friend Joy Wendling. Say hi. Hello. She is in America. Where are you in America? I'm on Whidbey Island in the state of Washington. It's about two hours northwest of Seattle. Which is in the top left-hand corner for everybody else in the yes. in the sort of in America. Uh, she has a ministry called Created to Play, uh, which you can find at createdtoplay.com. And she has a passion for the intersection of faith and playing in the home. She has a podcast, she's got a blog, she's got resources. Uh, Her working life has been primarily with ministry to children and youth and families through church and ministries and schools. And she also very fancily has a master's in youth, family, and culture from Fuller Theological Seminary. And this woman is impressive. And if that's not impressive enough, she also, oh, by the way, has five children. So, you know, as you do. So we all just stand in awe. And I am so excited. When I first discovered Joy's ministry, it, uh, it really just got me so excited about how she talks about it. And so I asked her onto the podcast because I think she's got some, some really exciting stuff that I want to learn from her. Um, so thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a privilege to be here. <laughs> so I love how you talk about play and faith at home, because for many of us, the idea of doing faith at home can feel quite activity-based, and then it's exhausting, and then can't nobody got time for that. And so the idea of, of making it fun makes my brain instantly go to preparation and, and stuff, but that isn't what you're talking about. So can you tell me how you view play and faith, and why is it important for children? Absolutely. I totally agree with the time and activities. 
I am not a Pinterest mama. Like (laughs) I, my kind of thoughts on play should be no prep, no pressure, like just dive in. And play is so important when we are bringing faith to our kids, because we want kids to know the abundance of Jesus and play makes things fun. And it should also be fun for the parents though. Like play helps make faith something that can be easily returned to something that we want to pursue together with our kids and that our kids are excited about pursuing when we just keep it so like black and white there's no like draw for the kids and god wants to draw us to himself and he's created little brains to grow through play and it play increases their curiosity and their desire to explore and i can't think of something i want my kids to be curious and explore more than god and the bible and so when we bring play to it then it's something that they get excited about and are eager to learn and um it's just when we make it doable and so that it's not setting up some big fancy thing every day, like then we get excited about doing it and we can feel confident in leading our kids to Jesus through play. When you talk about play, it's hard to imagine what you mean by play. Uh, Can you tell me a bit more about sort of, I don't don't mind asking for the definition of play, but, uh, can you give me some examples of, of, I guess, what you mean by play? If it's not setting out an activity and doing it, what, what is it? So, for example, if you are reading the story of um, Peter walking on water, we will jump on our couch or our bed, wherever, whatever room we're in, and we'll talk about, well, how do you think Peter got out of the boat? Did he jump off the boat? Like, was he super excited and brave and he jumped off the boat and you can jump off the couch with your kids? Or was he more timid and like maybe just dipped a little toe in first and like cautiously and you all climb back up on the couch and then cautiously dip your toe back onto the carpet. And then once he's on the water, how did he walk? Did he kind of slide his feet and you slide around the living room? Or was he stomping on the water, trying to see how big a splashes he could make? And you stomp around Um, and just being part of the story is how I like to experience. My girls like to experience Bible play. I love what you're saying, because it's more than acting out the story. You it's like wondering, you know, that, that sense of, you know, we have, you know, godly play and that kind of stuff where you talk about these wondering questions and often that's quite a, a sit and pondering thing, but it's almost like wondering with your body. It's, it's exploring. I don't know how to say it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's giving them an opportunity to experience the story and that is going to help the story to become part of their brain architecture, I mean, even changes their brains, but also goes from just their heads into their hearts because it's going to give them a feeling of um, enjoyment that like when they look back and think, you know, when they're teenagers and they're reading the story of Peter walking on water, they're going to remember, 
oh, we jumped off the couch with mom and we splashed all through the living room with Jesus. And like, it becomes an experience. And to me, that's, that's a playful way to read the Bible. I mean, and that could be, you know, you could also take a stack of blocks and build the walls of Jericho and knock them down and not be quite so (laughs) extravagant and physical, but it's, I mean, really just simple things using what you already have, what you can quickly grab as you pick up the Bible and um, exploring together. Do you have to feel the pressure of getting through the whole story? Because I know that's, that could be quite a pressure. You're like, you know, come on, we got to get through, you know, well, the kids are going off on a tangent. Now we're just jumping off the couch. And there's this <laughs> sense of feeling like I didn't get through the whole Bible story. Is that something to be concerned about when you're exploring, the, playing the, through the Bible? I don't think so, because your kids are going to be eager. Like it's like a cliffhanger, right? <laughs> so your kids are going to be eager to want to come back and, oh, well, what happened? Yesterday we, we had to leave when Peter was sinking, but what happens next mom? And they're going to want to go back and explore the rest of the story. So I don't think there's, I don't think there should be any pressure when we read the Bible to our kids. I I mean, we do our best. We bring our enthusiasm. We, um, you know, just do what we can. And then we let the Holy spirit fill in the rest. Right. (laughs) I think that's a huge statement to say that we don't have to feel pressure when we read the Bible to our kids. That's, that's a, that's a big statement to grasp, like as a parent, that, that, that there is a a partnering Holy spirit that promises his word isn't going to come back void. And that, that by, by reading it and exploring it with our kids and giving them a chance to inhabit it, that is spiritually powerful is a relief, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I think part of, play, what I love is that play also builds relationships. And so if I look at reading the Bible with my kids as an opportunity for me and them to build a relationship together and an opportunity for the Holy spirit to grow in relationship and seek out my child, then it seems less pressure for me because like, I know how to make a friend. I know how to introduce my kid to another new friend. And that's really the opportunity we have Mm. in reading the Bible with our kids. Mm. And so for me, that play is just, it's a simple avenue of introducing and kind of facilitating this relationship between the Holy Spirit and my kid. I I think some of us may be listening and going, well, it's great for you because you're naturally playful and bubbly and fun, but I don't know how to do this with my kid. I don't know how to read the Bible to my kid in a way that's fun or engaging. Do you have any tips on if, if you were just going to read your Bible? Because some of us will pick up the Bible and just read it. And, and then can you give us three top tips of how to read your Bible to your kids that if I'm starting from scratch, if I'm new at this, and feeling like, I don't know how to jump. What are, what, what are my first three things that I can move from? I'm boring to play. I would start with using a really good children's Bible that has pictures. And so the first tip is use the pictures, spend some time looking through the picture of the story before you even read a word 
and ask your kids questions about the pictures. So who do you see in this picture? Who do you think the story is going to be about? Um, you can ask silly questions of, oh, this woman's riding a donkey. If she wasn't riding a donkey, what other kind of animal could she be riding? Maybe a giraffe, you know, and um, you can be silly, but you're opening their imagination to the story and kind of um, setting the scene by spending time with the picture. And um, so that would be one. Two, I would say, look for emotions in the stories and ask your kids what emotions different people might be feeling and act out those emotions. So we have stories where, um, you know, Zacchaeus climbs a tree. So how was he feeling? Why did he want to climb the tree? He was curious, maybe. What does curiosity look like? What do you think he, how do you think he looked when he was straining to see Jesus among the crowd and have your kids like act out climbing up the tree and looking around. So emotions are a really easy way and a great social emotional learning opportunity for our kids. And the third one is uh, weather. There are lots of stories about weather and weather can be a really fun one for kids to talk about because it's so experiential. So think about like the storm on the boat and you can rock back and forth in the storm or if they're in the desert, oh, what does the desert feel like? It's hot and, you know, have kids just act out those little things um, and that will just help it become, you know, experiential and, and more playful. That's so helpful. Uh, just to, because even if we just started with those things, that's the thing that everybody can do. You don't have to be brilliant at it. You don't have to have the right theological answers. Uh, it's just enabling the, the kids to let their imagination go and identify with things and take it that next step. It sounds doable for everybody. And yes. we're British. We love talking about the weather. I'm sure that is, we're going <laughs> to nail that one. That's going to be great. <laughs> That is, that is so helpful. What, I guess my final question is what does success look like? You know, what are we aiming for? Are, do, are we aiming that they like make it through the story or that they're like, Oh no, I know enough Jesus at the end. Like what does, what does success look like? Or is it just doing anything as success? Yeah. I think having fun with your kids and the word is success. I, for me, I really want my kids to want to know Jesus and I can't control whether they choose to follow him when they grow up. That's out of my control, but what I can control right now is the environment and the way I present it. And so if he is someone that is engaging and fun to be with, which I believe he is then for me, success is presenting him as authentically as I can to my kids and enjoying that time together. Wonderful. Well, if you want to know more about this, read her blog. She has some great examples and some great articles about that, taking you through some stories that she's done so you can see sort of what it looks like. She even has some great pictures of look how, how absolutely normal it looks like in her home and what it looks like. It's a really useful thing. So if you want to just explore this, go to createdtoplay.com 
and explore stuff. She also has a podcast that you can listen to or more talk about this kind of stuff. But Joy, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's been fun. We love answering questions on the Parenting for Faith podcast. And uh, we had a listener uh, write in about Noah. And uh, sometimes we try not to answer specific theological questions. Well, I don't know if that's true. That may not be true. But this is a specific theological question. And uh, I thought I'd answer it because I think it's a good one. Uh, So this question is this. uh, Have you done a session about Noah? And why did God send a flood that killed people and all the animals? I answered it kind of along the lines of these are very old stories. God is love. The story is telling us about how God loves us and rescues us, not that he punishes us. But I'd be interested to hear in the collected, the collective wisdom. And I, I love that question. There are so many times where we come across bits of scripture where we're like, I don't know how to explain that one. So we sort of put a big positive spin on it. I mean, that's a that's a, a big, a big pivot to take, you know, the story of the flood killing people and all the animals and turn it into God is love. The story is about how God loves and rescues us and not that he punishes us. And I completely understand the instinct. And we really want to um, not protect our kids, but we, we often have an instinct to want to so want our children to love and know God and to run towards him that we feel an instinct to paint away anything that we think would be um, counteractive to our children naturally thinking that God is this great, positive, loving force. And and I would really want to encourage you that if you ever run into a passage that feels bumpy and you go, oh, I don't know about that, that to not shy away from it, because it will be shocking and it can be challenging for a child and how they think about God. But if we don't wade into it with our kids... What can happen is is we create a veneer over scripture that they will then poke holes in eventually, whether now or later. And that then makes them feel that scripture itself is frail rather than just <laughs> the paint job that we put over it. And I believe that the this the Bible is robust and and significant and and worth pondering together with our children. And if we don't wade into it now with them, then they won't have a framework for analyzing it and looking at it and engaging with it later. Um, Our job is to give them a framework for understanding these things. So I would really encourage you to to be bold and wade into it. Um, One of the ways you can do that, particularly with the Noah story, I find is to, well, with all things that I find difficult, are to take it out of the the specific chapter context. Often we tell Bible stories in the individual chapter context. This is the story that starts at the beginning of this story and at the end of that story, and we take it out of the wider context. And for me, you can't you can't look at the story of Noah without looking at the story of Adam. And so when I tell the story of Noah, I tend to tell the story of Ab- of of Adam through Noah, of how God created people for relationship and to always know that they were loved and to um, walk with him and work with him and to have this beautiful side-by-side relationship. And, And people walked away and sin broke the world and sin broke how people worked. And 
they began to hurt themselves. They began to hurt each other. Um, you know, we see, we see, you know, Adam and Eve's children kill each other. Well, one of them killed the other one. We see them walk away. We see them be ashamed. We see them have to live separately from God. And generation upon generation upon generation <clears throat> lived apart from God in that broken state of not knowing true love, not knowing peace, not knowing um, what that's like. And they lived grasping and they lived damaging themselves and damaging others and damaging. And it was so bad that they couldn't find a way back to God. They were, it was just people upon people upon people in pain and loss and grief. And God could not let it continue because they had no pathway back. And so he decided to stop the cycles of pain and start again with Noah. And that's what happened in the flood. And it was a grief and it was a a shocking and it was painful for God, but he couldn't let generations upon generations upon generations continue in this way. And he started again with Noah and he promised that he would never do it that way again because his next plan was to give people a pathway to him through laws with we saw with Moses. And eventually he just said, no, what is needed is is Jesus. And he, he did this long pathway so that people could find a way back, that they were never too lost to find him again. They were never too far and in pain and broken to be healed again. And that's what Jesus came for. And so the, the Noah stories, the, the very beginning parts of the grander story of God helping people find a way back to him by providing the pathway through Jesus. And so for me, it's this bigger story. And and if you only just tell the story of Noah, you're missing the whole context of, of what that is. Now, you may disagree with how I said the wider story. Probably if I listen to it back, I tweak it and refine it. And that's okay. Um, but can you see how creating that wider story gives the smaller story context? And I, I would suggest that you, that you uh, help do that. Uh, the other thing that I think can be helpful in this is... Um, well, yeah, that's really it. I, I don't think I have anything else. We made it long. But yeah, <laughs> I answered all of my questions. All my notes. It was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the last thing was, sorry, it was on the next page, is to feel free to um, wrestle together and to think through it together, um, to give our children the experience of saying, you know, I keep pondering that sometimes. It really makes me think. And so I ask God questions and I go, mm, you and I are going to talk about this later, God, because I'm not sure what I think about that. And to give kids permission to be uncomfortable with bits of the Bible and to have to wrestle it through and to have to piece it together and to do that together with your kids is a really significant thing to do. So I, I would encourage you that um, to wade in, give it a bigger context, to not be afraid of it and to feel free to wrestle with it and to explain how that impacts your relationship with God and how you think about it, it can be really significant way of telling the Noah story besides uh, just trying to paint it over um, and give a, a brief positive spin to it. And a question to start an interesting conversation. This week, we'd love you to ask your child or teenager, what do you think God's favorite source of weather is? Why? Have a great conversation. We'll be back uh, same time next week. We'll release our episode on Tuesday. Do book onto that babies and toddlers training morning if you get a chance and send us in your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Bye. 
Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.